It's fair to say that everything in life is sales. Online, we market ourselves on social media, and at work, we try to provide service to earn wages. For many of us, sales brings on some serious social performance anxiety. Today, our guest, Peter Anthony, and I, your host, Sam Aiko, will be diving in on why traditional selling doesn't work and what we can do about it. Peter Anthony is an author, speaker, and master in professional communication. As an expert in collaboration and commercial relationship development, Peter has run workshops for thousands of people in 12 countries for over 20 years. He consults with Fortune 500 companies to help them achieve better, smarter outcomes for more effective internal and external relationships. His book, A Collabradabra, highlights the six moments that matters maximize collaborative outcomes one conversation at a time. Follow our show and bookmark our podcast so you don't miss out on our fantastic Matrix mentors. It's an honor to have you on the Organic Matrix, Peter. Can you tell us where you're from? I'm from Manly in Sydney, Australia. If any of your listeners have been there, awesome place to live. Yes, and you have the coolest wildlife there, right? Yeah, we have cool wildlife. We have deadly wildlife. We've got my... Uh, joys in the mornings is having a dawn ocean swim uh, from Manly Beach to, to Shelley Beach. And people ask, aren't you worried about sharks? And we think, no, we're not worried about sharks because the most dangerous thing in the ocean for us is jellyfish because we've got jellyfish that can kill you. In fact, two. So, and then they're much more dangerous than the sharks are. So that's what we watch out for, weirdly enough. We're more scared of jellyfish than sharks. Wow. I didn't know that. That's super, that's a super fun fact. And if I ever travel <laughs> Australia, I'm going to keep that in mind. <laughs> I'm not sure it's a fun fact, but we've got the most deadly animals in the world. Most deadly snakes, most deadly spiders, most deadly jellyfish, most deadly um, sea life. So, yeah, a deadly place to live, but I love it. I just have one random question. Do you often see kangaroos? Never. We never, well, now kangaroos live, I mean, you can imagine like, Australia is a huge island. Most people are on the, live on the coast uh, where the ocean is. And all the kangaroos live in the middle where the desert is. So they're never around civilization. We, like you, have got to go like to a special trip or a special place to, to see kangaroos. In fact, many visitors to Australia see more kangaroos than Australians do. That's so cool. So, Peter, how did you get involved with your area of work and communication? Well, it's really, to tell you the truth, it's really my mum's fault. I can blame my mum. When, when I was a when I was a little boy, I was I was very introverted. I used to love just sitting in my room and reading books. And my mum would invite all her relatives over. She came from a really big family, and every Sunday she'd invite all these people over. She'd always say, "Peter, Peter, come out and talk to your Uncle Harry and all your cousins." And I thought, "I don't really want to. I just want to read my book." You know? And anyway, she encouraged me to, to to come out of my room. And what I found was that I didn't really want to talk to them, but I found that if I asked people like my Uncle Harry questions. He gave me great answers. And that sort of got me onto a, a way of thinking when I was relatively early. But I love listening to people talk. And I love listening to conversations, particularly if I could inspire them or control them by asking questions. That's that's where it began. And then it, as I got older, it developed uh, into a passion uh, in making uh, television commercials and, and working in marketing and then consulting as I do now in this whole uh, collaborative conversation space or helping people to build better relationships by collaborating better with each other. And my mum still says now, she says, 
Peter, she says, what do you do for a living again? And I say, I teach people to talk to each other. And she says, and they pay you for that. I go, yeah. And she just laughs. She thinks it's so funny. That's what I do. <laughs> it crack, I just love seeing her laugh. Just cracks her up. How does she feel that she inspired this huge gift in your life? Uh, she takes all the credit and so she should. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a self-confessed mummy's boy. I'm very much, very much her son. I love my dad too, but I'm very much her. She created this monster. <laughs> I love this. Beautiful. Very, very much her fault. I would love to ask you, what is your perspective on the traditional sales model? Well, it's, I think as, as you know, and, uh, and your listeners know, it just doesn't work. If, if you and when you think about uh, when you feel like you're being sold to, what do you do? I mean, what what most people do when they feel like they're being sold to, they sort of get cynical, they distance themselves in relationship from the person selling to them, uh, and they they try and put downward pressure on price. And you think, well, if you want to use traditional selling, that's what happens. Uh, and uh, when I used to try traditional selling, that's what would happen. And what I found was that the less I tried to sell, the more people bought from me. I thought, this is really weird. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder how this is happening. And, and as I moved through uh, marketing and advertising and started consulting to people in this collaborative conversation space, I found that the further away I moved from a sales model, the better it worked. And, and that's the problem. And I think anyone that's been taught selling or tries to sell knows it doesn't work. Plus, it feels inauthentic. So you feel like you're pushing something onto somebody. And it feels a bit, most people feel uncomfortable with it, I think. Yeah. I, I, a, a thing that came up often when I was doing sales was buyer's remorse. But I don't think yes. I've heard a conversation on seller's remorse. And I've, I've, <laughs> I think that's like a real wow. thing. Uh, what do you think yeah. about the seller's remorse aspect of it as well? Yeah, I, I think most, yeah, I agree. Well, buyer's remorse still happens even when you collaborate. It, it's more like decision remorse. And usually whenever you make a huge decision in your life, when you're most regretful of it or most wary of it is right after you've made it. So it's useful if you're... If you work in spaces like I do, where you encourage people to make decisions, you've got to reinforce that decision the most right after it's made to make people feel very comfortable and secure that they've done the right thing. But seller's remorse is real. Uh, it is real. And a lot of people that I've worked with over the years that attempt to sell just feel inauthentic. They think, I feel fake. I feel like I'm doing the wrong thing. I'm not telling the truth. Um, and they don't feel great. Well, very few people I've met feel great doing that. Unless you're like uh, Gordon Belford in Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> I'm glad that you mentioned Jordan Belford because that's that's where I'm going to go next. Um, I'm sure that you know about Jordan Belford's sales tactics, and I would love to know your perspective on his style of sales. Well, it was obviously very successful <laughs> in, for him uh, for a while and for the, the people uh, in, uh, you know, I think it was Oakmont Investments, wasn't it? Oakmont. Uh, yeah, it was very, very successful for a short time. But, but like, like any other lie, which he created and manufactured, it eventually falls down, and it eventually takes a huge, 
withdrawal uh, from your system, uh, acting disingenuously because he was ripping people off, usually poor, uh, less educated people, ripping them off what they call penny stocks, which were the uh, worthless uh, shares uh, back in the day when the market was less regulated. So I, I think it was a great movie. I really enjoyed it. I think it was a great film. Uh, and I love Leonardo. I think he's a, an awesome actor. But it, I think it's I think it's a, a tale of what we're, we're talking about, Sam. I think it's a tale of how that doesn't work. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. have, have you seen uh, Jordan Belfort's recent work after the movie? Uh, I've seen his sales work. And I've seen his sales workshops, uh, and he's he basically he calls it straight line selling, which is yeah. basically the same thing. Huh? It's the same thing, yeah. I would love to hear like your opinion on the straight line method, and if you th- if you think it fits into the 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 old model, and if it's like we should scrap that because that was the first course oh. that I got introduced to in sales, and it, it kind of confused really? me, but it also helped me <laughs> with some structure, like. I learned that I wasn't communicating with clients in an alluring yeah. way, but like, because there was, like he would teach things about inflection and things that were helpful, but being coached like that, like I was feeling like I was being an authentic because I was trying to be a Jordan Belfort instead of like yeah. learning how to uh, adapt it to my own style. So yeah. Yeah, it, it is an old school, an old school method. And he he came to Australia, and I went to his workshop because I wanted to meet him. <laughs> I thought this this guy is very successful, having gone through the that movie, well, that that story of, of as portrayed in the movie. And he went to jail, then he came back, and I wanted to meet him. Plus, I wanted to learn more about this straight line. Uh, it, it, it it's very much old school. It's very much like structured selling, yeah. like you take them from opening to closing. Uh, and there's a um, there's a there's a lot of a lot of good techniques that are used for bad purposes. And one of them he teaches is uh, like a matching technique, which is a rapport building technique. Which means like you you take your attention off yourself, you give it to the person that you're you're, you're selling to or communicating to, and you subtly match what they're doing, which is like a rapport building. Now uh, that definitely works, and it's definitely a useful thing to do. However, uh, if you're doing it for a um, a bad intent, which is to convince someone to do something that they don't want to do, or something that's not in their in their best interests, um, they're soon going to feel that. Because the really curious thing about intentions, Sam, is that people feel your intentions, and if they feel like you want to manipulate them, um, they'll sense that and they'll back off. Whereas if they feel like you're building rapport with them and you're connecting on their level and you're doing it for a genuine intent, that will that will open up their minds to what you're suggesting. So you can use the same tools for, I guess, good or evil, if you like. Selling evil, but it's it's not a great thing to do. And a lot of people buy things they don't need that aren't the right thing for them, and that's that's not a great way to spend your time. What can someone do if they were taught to do sales the wrong way. Being, uh, it's interesting that authentic, authenticity piece. There's um, one of uh, your compatriots, Brene Brown, uh, who you may have um, seen. She's done a, a lot of uh, research around uh, courage and shame, and she's got some awesome YouTube's uh, TED talks. We want to check her out. 
the first thing I'd suggest is be be courageous. I mean, well, number one, you know it doesn't work. You feel it doesn't work. And you know that instinctively, almost immediately think, well, what do I do? And the first step is have the courage to be authentic. And the way Brene Brown describes that, as she says, um, courage comes from the ancient Latin root of the word cur, C-U-R, which means to tell the story of who you are with your whole heart. So just be yourself. Be the biggest, brightest manifestation of you that you can be, whether that's an introvert or an extrovert, you're outcome focused or you're people focused, whatever that may be, just be the best version of you. And uh, that is the whole beginning of the process, that authenticity piece. Because people are buying your courage as well and they're buying your authenticity. And it's you hear this expression, fake it till you make it, but that's just not true. You can't really fake anything properly. Not if you want to build a genuine relationship with someone. You can't start off by faking it, then start getting genuine at some stage down the track. What I mean, it's going to begin genuine and take that courage. And when you take that first step of courage, that's when the whole whole new universe opens up for you because relationships open up to you, people open up to you, opportunities open up for you because you're being authentic and you'll find like attracts like and authentic people will come towards you. Oh, I love the long answers. I love it. What kind of exercises can someone do to improve their sales skills if they're just starting? Uh, if they just started, well, I think the first thing I'd recommend is obviously buy my book. That's the first thing I suggest. But <laughs> yes, definitely, <laughs> definitely. If you're if you're just starting, um, think about. I guess there's uh, you got to think about what you're selling and who you're selling it to, and attempt to line up or what you're selling and who you're selling it to with who you are. So you've got a genuine interest in either the product or the people that you're selling it to. Like if you've got a genuine interest in cars, sell cars. If you've got a genuine interest in photocopiers, sell photocopiers. I'm not judging what you, what you sell. But, but think, about, think about if you're in a sales role that that role is a manifestation of you and you're genuinely helping people by helping them make the right decision in the product or service that you happen to be selling, whatever that may be. Absolutely. I love that answer because it's so much easier to share enthusiasm about something you're interested in. And when you're with the client, like it's coming out of the heart because you're doing something you love. And when we're not acting, we're being authentic. It's amazing when we can have a career that we get dopamine from what we do. Exactly. Exactly. And and a lot of of the time you're buying their enthusiasm because like if, if I'm if I'm buying from you, I'm buying your enthusiasm, your genuine enthusiasm for what it is that you're selling or proposing to me, uh, and that's that's uh, that's persuasive in its own right. But it, it begins with courage. It begins courage and authenticity. So I've got the courage to be myself, and then I've got the courage to to sell what I need to sell, whatever that may be. So why is collaboration imperative to do in business? It's imperative. It's imperative across the board. I mean, if, if you look at uh, the last uh, Nobel Prize in Physics um, was given to Eleanor Ostrom for her work in uh, looking at societies, and she found, uh, she looked at what they call the tragedy of the commons, which is in ancient, in medieval times, they had, uh, you'd, you'd have like your cattle, I'd have my cattle and my land, and we'd share some common land. And uh, if they got overgrazed by you or by me or by other common holders, it would get destroyed. And she studied these communities to see who collaborated the best to look after the commons. And she got a Nobel Prize for her work on pro-social collaboration. So it works, it works in societies. 
collaboration. Um, it works in companies. I mean, if you look at uh, the rise of companies like you know Airbnb and Uber, they were the ones that collaborated with their consumers better than, say, the old taxi or hotel industry did. We know collaborative teams, like collaborative football teams or, or sporting teams, win better than non-collaborative teams. And in conversations, all the evidence is that um, when you've got a collaborative relationship, uh, in a uh, that's um, that's uh, inspired by a collaborative conversation, uh, you both get better outcomes. So you're both better off. So if you're really selfish, what I'd say to you uh, is be collaborative because you'll get more of what you want when you're in a collaborative relationship. It also works in personal romantic relationships as well. I mean, another one of uh, your compatriots, John Gottman from Washington State University, has studied romantic relationships in terms of conversations and has found that the best relationships have also got the best conversations. And you can think about like the people that you love the most, whether that's romantic relationship or a personal relationship, the people you love talking to. I just love talking to this person. I love these conversations. Uh, and it's you can say the quality of the relationship is the quality of the collaboration, and it's there isn't an alternative. Well, the alternative is either traditional selling, which no doesn't work, or just or ordering people around, which just doesn't work. Or often I see this too, Sam, in um, in selling. As I, I often see this thing I call appeasing, which is being really nice. Like, I'm going to be really nice to somebody and then hope and pray and trust they'll be nice back to me again. But that just doesn't work either because, number one, it's not being genuine, and number two, they may just walk right over you. <laughs> so that's why collaboration is important. What are the six moments that matter in a collaborative conversation? Oh, wow. That's a nice leading question. I love that question. And <laughs> uh, this took me a while to crack. I mean, uh, I wrote this book over a period of about six years working across 12 different countries. So most of it was written in like airport lounges and flight clubs, that sort of thing in different parts of the world. Uh, so I didn't arrive at them. I, here's the six, I just bang. It took a while to work them out and to, and to test run them in workshops um, that I was running. But the first, the first intention or the first uh, moment, I should say, that matters is having a goal in the conversation. So before you walk into the conversation or have the conversation, you think, um, what's going to be different at the end of this conversation as compared to the beginning? And you're looking at a goal that says you want to change how the person is thinking, how they're feeling or what they're doing. Something's going to change and ideally to their benefit. So it may be it's a feeling goal. You're changing, you want them to feel more comfortable or confident with you. Or It's a thought goal. You might want to change how they understand something. Or it's a doing goal. You want to help them change what they're doing. So that, that's, that's how it starts. They get that very clear. And then partly the power of intention will drive that goal. But that's what that's the purpose the conversation has. Uh, and even like I mentioned my mum earlier, when I visit my mum, I only see her usually once a week on Saturday mornings. And I just, I think, well, what, what's my goal for this conversation with my mum? And I think, well, my goal is to make her feel really treasured because I really treasure and love her. I want to make her feel treasured. And it just changes what I do and how I, how I am around her rather than just turning up and talking to her about the weather. Just have an intention, and that uh, that drives. That, that's number one. Number one. Um, uh, number two is 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 building rapport with them, connecting with them, and go go to where they are. Because you'll find if you go to where they are physically and emotionally, they're more likely to come back to where you are in terms of um, how you're thinking. So you're you're showing them the respect of connecting with them on where they are. 
then uh, the third moment that matters is at some stage in the conversation, and usually it's pretty early, you've got to, you've got to take the lead or give the conversation some structure. So you're thinking, here's why the conversation's taking place. Here's the sort of outcome we can achieve together. Here's how I suggest we get there. And here's the so what. Here's, going to happen. here's what's going to happen afterwards. How does that work for you? You're not telling them, like dictating them. You're just giving it some structure. Then uh, the next step is the biggest and potentially the most important one is understanding, understanding how they're thinking right now. Because as Stephen Covey said, you've got to seek first to understand before seeking to be understood. So you've got to understand how they're thinking. Uh, then uh, based on understanding, you make a recommendation or a suggestion. Uh, and then the final step is agreeing. Because when you recommend something, they're going to say yes, no, or maybe. Yes is a great answer. No is a better answer. I love no's because I find that too many people mess me around with, with maybes that are really no's. So no, no's great because then I can move on to something that I can I can work on, work on a yes. Yeah. And then a maybe. Well, if I've got a maybe, maybe yes, maybe no, I've got to have a uh, a structure or a, a simple negotiation method to see if you and I can translate that maybe into a yes that's worth having for both of us or not, and that's okay. I mean, we can reach agreement by thinking, you know what, this is not going to progress, and that's okay. That, that's useful. So at least we've worked that out nice and early. We've respected each other and we've built the relationship, but we're not going to arrive at an outcome, and that's okay. If we do that well and do it uh, in a quality way, relationship-wise, we're both better off. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. But they're the six moments. <laughs> there you go. That, and I love that you mentioned how you appreciate hearing no. A lot of people are afraid in sales of hearing no. But like you said, there's always, it's not, everything is not always uh, bad or good, right? Everything is actually an opportunity. And it's really based off of <laughs> what we learn from it and how we respond to it. So uh, Matrix members, if you're in sales and you cringe at hearing no, just know that... <laughs> You can move on to to matches and collaborative matches that match your frequency instead of functioning out of a place where you feel like you have to talk someone into doing something that may not that may not help them. Um, so yeah, I would say exactly. And yeah, yeah, that is a good thing. It's also it's also going to save you time because uh, if you're in sales roles, there are buyers out there looking for what you're selling. And the idea is to find who those buyers are easily, quickly, and uh, attempt to connect and relate to them and help them and serve them. Uh, and getting the no's out of the way is a good thing because that leaves more space for the yeses, if you like. And, and you've got to trust they're there. Uh, and they're definitely there. They're definitely there. And and you'll find that uh, when you get the no's out of the way, and, and you don't pretend like don't don't pretend they they they're going to say yes because often in these sales situations you're pretending they're going to buy they're pretending they're going to buy and you're both sort of lying to each other in a way or not being totally frank with each other 
better to, to get the no's, get them off the table. And and then re, when you get a yes or someone that's really keen, then you can over-serve them and, and, and really give them a great outcome through working with you because the time to do it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It, yeah, it's about quality. Quality relationships, quality outcomes. Uh, one thing that I really learned was the more that we focus on serving our audience or our clients, the better the outcome will be. Often we're often in sales, depending on what we sell, we might study everything about the product. We might like, we might be like a whole textbook of knowledge. And what I've personally struggled with is I would see a client get super excited about all the benefits and things that my product could do. And then I'll just word vomit without even thinking to ask the client. Where are you at in life? Yeah, what, yeah. what goals would you like to improve on? What's your biggest struggle in the day? And then telling them how this yeah. can serve them. And that, that was a struggle that I faced and I learned that being, being in sales is actually the selfless. Like the selfless, the more selfless we can be, the more returning clients we'll get. Yeah, there's a lot of great thoughts in there. I mean, obviously, that's what my mum taught me when I was a little boy, about asking questions, and you should be asking more than more than telling. And also another important point you just made there, Sam, too, is about ego. It's never about you. Never, It's never ever about you. It's always about them. Uh, and the more they feel that, the more they feel like you're in service with them or to them, the better it's going to work because ultimately that's how a good relationship works you're in service with to each other or with each other better outcome and they feel they sense that they feel that and not this sort of ego ego maniac you know i'm the master of the universe like you know wolf of wall street type thing that's not what we want that's not what might be funny might make a great movie but it doesn't make a great life absolutely what are a few questions that our our community can ask their clients if they if they want to practice the approach of being collaborative? Well, I think that the key questions um, I find are around uh, how the client's making a decision or how the customer's making a decision. Um, so if you think about when you make a decision in your life about anything at all, um, there, there are decision-making values or criteria that you have, whether you're whether you're buying a car or buying a dress or buying shoes or whatever you're buying. There's values, and you think, okay, and you say, like, with regards to what you're selling, what I'd suggest is you ask four sorts of questions. Uh, the first is, um, what's most important to you in X? Like, if if they're uh, buying a new house, what's most important to you in buying a new house or buying a new car or whatever whatever the, the commercial relationship you're involved in? And and they'll give you usually, say, three three or four things, criteria, if you like, or I, I call them decision-making values. And the second question you ask is, um, well, what order are they in? I could, because some people put the f- most important one first and the most important one last, and, and then, oh, that, that's true. Thank you. Know, do you mind if I ask what that means? Let's just say, for example, if you're selling a car, and the person says, oh, I'd like a safe car. I'm looking, I've got a family, I want a safe car. And I think, well, uh, and the problem with safe is that that means something to me, but it might mean something quite different to you because we, we think neurolinguistically. They think, oh, I'm just curious, what does safety mean to you? And, and, they'll, and they'll say what safety means, and then you go through each, each of the, um, the parts. So what their values are, what order they're in, what they mean, which is really important. And the most important one is the last question, which is um, which is one most people avoid asking. They're scared to ask it. 
because they think it's going to scare the uh, the customer and prospect away. And that is, um, what what do you want to do most to avoid? What are you most concerned about here? Yes, like in yes. making this decision, like, what are you mo- what are you most worried about? Uh, uh, and the one, so I'm, I'm most worried about spending too much or I'm most worried about the car breaking down after I buy or I'm most concerned about there um, being issues with the house after I get it, whatever I'm buying. And there's always going to be concerns. And it's it's useful to build the level of relationship where they'll share their concerns with you because then you can really, when you're then making a recommendation, if you like, you can uh, assess whether what you're recommending fits their decision-making values, what they mean, and most importantly, that you understand and respect what they want to avoid and you're on their side. You want to ensure that doesn't happen. Because the really strange thing I'd say to your to your, to your, uh, your listeners, uh, Sam, is that uh, life's a long time. And I've had, I've had clients for over 20 years uh, and some of them, they didn't buy from me for three or four years after I met them. Then they started buying big because they trusted that I had their best interest in heart. And one client I met, she worked for a, a major, uh, I won't say who, but she worked for a major uh, news publication, and she was HR director. And I first approached her and she said, Peter, sorry, we've got no money at all. We can't spend anything. I said, Kerry, that's fine. I'm, I'm really keen to like, get to know you and understand how this works. And, and we worked close together. And there was actually a, um, a submarine, like a, a disused submarine parked in a harbour where we worked. And I said, oh, I'm going to go watch the, look at the sub. We walked through the sub together. We had some lunch together. And over two years, I hung out with her just because I enjoyed the company. And finally, the, the, uh, her department got budget and she gave it all to me. <laughs> right? Now, I didn't show the submarine just to get all that money but it just means sometimes it might take a while and sometimes we get a bit too oh we want the sale tomorrow or next week or next month but if you think of if you think of say 10 years or 20 years or 30 years career things uh you can have clients for a long time or start a relationship now that may not actually blossom uh for a year or two down track so that makes sense Absolutely. And I love that story. And it's very inspiring, like how, how far patience and being genuine can really bring you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's weird where customers come from, too. I mean, I was working in London in, in June, right? And I just I just got uh, a big proposal turned down by a big client in the UK who had, I was really counting on, but circumstances changed and that program didn't go ahead. I'm sitting at this conference and I've got these two beautiful people uh, from Japan alongside me I'm talking to and I love I love working with Japanese people. There was an empty set on my right and this lady sat down and she was Scottish, right? <laughs> like this. And one of them was dressed like traditional Japanese, uh, which I love, the whole kimono piece, which I thought was really cool. And then alongside me, this this Scottish lady just sat down alongside me, uh, and we just started chatting. I didn't. I was trying to talk to the Japanese people, and, but I still I still spoke to her. And anyway, I, we just sort of connected. We exchanged business cards. Turns out, uh, I stayed in contact with her. I wasn't trying to sell her anything. Just stayed in contact with her. Turns, I come back to Australia. She sends me an email. Peter, we've got a huge client in Australia. We need your help. Bingo. I mean, if your intentions are if your intentions are good. You're you're walking you're walking a different corridor, and you meet people whose intentions are also good. You meet those those people. That's what I find. I love this, and it also sounds really fun. It's fun, and it's fun, and it's fun how the universe works. 
Uh, and when people say, who do you work for? And I say, I work for the universe. And the universe works for me. Because I, I find if I genuinely do the right thing to people in the commercial world, there's enough good, there are some awful people in the commercial world, don't get me wrong, I'm not full of angels. But there are enough really good people that you get on the same frequency with, and they're the people you can hang out with. And you have a great relationship with them, and you enjoy the process, and you both get great outcomes together because that's that's what you're in it for. They've, they want to collaborate too because that's how they're wired. And they know that's what feels good and works the best anyway. So you meet them. You know, you meet like if you if you're dancing and you learn to tango, you meet people that want to tango. If you're, if you're a basketball player, love shooting hoops, you go to a court and you start finding people to shoot hoops with. You find people that are, if you resonate that, it comes back. You meet people just like that. Yeah. You hear, you hear a lot, on social media, you hear a lot about all the, uh, you know, the, the people that are not necessarily nice people. They tend to get more exposure, more hits, more views, more likes, more subscribes, like smash that subscribe button. But most of them aren't really nice people. So you don't see them a lot. Yeah, that's anyway. I should get off my soapbox, I suppose. Uh, I, I love I get I love what you're saying, and it resonates with me. And I feel like I'm learning a lot. And hearing your answers personally brings me a lot of confidence. And I'm sure our listeners are feeling the same way. If they've been feeling stuck, you know, I've been and I would I I try to start my own business two years ago. And of course, it was challenging, especially because it was during the pandemic. But the challenges that I faced weren't the circumstances or the pandemic or the economy. But it was like learning how I could be genuine, how I could show up for my client, but also like sifting through a bunch of useless knowledge that I had in my head about what I thought sales should be. And I love that you boil it down to being human. Like, yeah, yeah. And also being available to listen, and I, that's that's what I love the exactly. most. Exactly, it's interesting. I've, I read some bizarre books. The book I'm reading now is on the history of the brain. Uh, it drives my wife crazy what I read, <laughs> and it talks about the evolution of the brain. And they talk about how Homo sapien evolved, and how Homo sapien beat all the other so-called apes. At, at the time, and one of the reasons Homo sapien won and became our ancestors is that uh, they learned to they learned to speak and communicate with each other and share ideas, and and that was that was the essence of the evolutionary spirit that drove us forward, like sharing ideas, collaborating, telling stories to each other, being in tribes where we, we all we all worked towards a common good to, to take our ourselves and our our tribe and our civilization forward. So it's very much hardwired in the DNA. It's in the very back of your brain stem to collaborate and to open up to people. And uh, what I suggest to your listeners is sometimes like pandemics are, are big challenges. You can have health issues, relationship issues, financial issues, family, a whole lot of issues. And they can push you down and make you feel a bit small and make you think you're not as big as what you really are. But what I found over a long time of working is that we're actually much bigger than what we think we are. I'm not suggesting you go out there and be like a Donald Trump and have a huge ego. I'm not suggesting that for a second. What I'm suggesting is just, just trust yourself, trust your instincts, uh, trust your ability to build high quality relationships, and you'll be amazed at the outcomes that, that you, you have for them and you get for yourself, but, but they've got to come first. Your intent has to be you come first, I come second. And then when I come second, my, my riches will be more than big enough. I'm happy that you get yours too. That's how it works. 
I love this. And it reminds me of the story of, of Buddha. And um, I'm not going to get into the story right now, but the, the premise is that Buddha, like this fictional Buddha, fell in love with a, a, a queen and he was a monk and had nothing. So she didn't accept him. And so he got into business and because he didn't care about the finances and the status, because he was a monk, he would laugh if he lost and he would enjoy, he would share if he won. He became the biggest businessman there. But as soon as it started getting to his head and changed his values, he went right back into the forest. But what you're saying reminds me of that. It's like, you know, we, we don't have to get so caught up in status, but we can be good human beings and we'll get that goodness in Absolutely. return. And it's interesting you mentioned that too, because I went to see um, the Dalai Lama uh, a few years ago when he, he visited Sydney, uh, and he, he gave he gave a talk on, on Buddhism. Uh, and someone in the audience said, "So, what's the secret of life?" You know, after meditating all these years, I said those just two things, two things. He said, "Just be happy and useful. Be happy in yourself and be useful to others." And I love that. Just be happy. Be happy and genuine. Like you talked about, like authenticity, being genuine in your own bones. Like. Be who you are, trust who you are, be the biggest, brightest manifestation of who you are and be useful to others. And whether that's personally in your family or in, in your life, but also commercially in your work, be useful to others and find something that you love and that you can be useful in. And that's the secret. I think that's, it, it's really as simple. You can make it as complicated as you like, but it really is as simple as that. Thank you so much, Peter. I love the title of your book, Calabradabra. Especially because of yes. like the spiritual meaning of uh, abracadabra is like it, it goes with the universe. Like, um, yeah, it's magic. Yes, it's magic. <laughs> and, um, uh, please tell us uh, your inspiration for Calabradabra and who do you think the people would who who do you think would benefit the most from reading it? I think the inspiration the inspiration for the book was that. Uh, the, the whole collaborative conversation uh, idea, uh, which became workshops I ran in like 12 countries. So, uh, and I was just thinking collaboration, there's magic in collaboration. And then one morning I just woke up after a swim and thought magic, abracadabra, magic, collaboration, collaboradabra. Wow, that's I just clicked uh, in my brain, which is which is pretty cool. So that was hence the title. Uh, the book, the book is um, the book of the workshop. So uh, it's it's what I what I teach in the workshops that I run, uh, whether they're virtually or uh, or face to face. And uh, you don't need to attend a workshop to get value. The the book basically takes you through the workshop. The first chapter summarizes the whole approach that you and I have been talking about now. Then every chapter takes you through one of the moments and it gives you exercises that you can apply to your own environment. So you might want to get one yourself or a few friends get together, get a copy of the book, and you can you can have like a workshop together if you like, like run it, run a chapter a week, go through the exercises together, uh, there's exercises there where one person's a customer and the other person is you and you change roles to like practice leading, practice building rapport, practice understanding decision-making values, practice making recommendations with each other. So you, you can do it that way for uh, yourself or uh, in a group. I know people that like run little groups and do it themselves, like a little, like maybe six to eight people. So maybe your listeners might be interested in doing that. That's what I'd recommend because I'm really passionate about this, as you can probably tell. I want to make the world a more collaborative place. 
I think we can do it just by the, the conversations we have with each other. Yes, and honestly, I think that you're with that goal in mind, you're helping world peace. Because I don't think war would be yeah. a thing if if our nations could maturely communicate and make a compromise about whatever they want from each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. It, it's um, and I'm not I'm not smart enough to like crack world peace, <laughs> but but I can I can crack the the conversation code and think well that's my little that's my small contribution. And I, I think that if enough of us are collaborating with each other, the rest will get a lot easier. The rest of the world will get a lot easier. Absolutely. If we, if if uh, me and my listeners, if my listeners and I would like to watch one of your workshops or participate in one, where can we find it? Uh, you can find it. Um, we can find the book on Amazon. You can, that's where you can find the book. Um, you can find um, details of the workshop uh, on my website, which is peteranthonyconsulting.com. That's all one word. Uh, you can find more details about me. You can find videos I've made. You can find... Uh, links to YouTubes that I've made that explain a lot of what I'm, I'm talking about now. Uh, and uh, there's a ton of free resources there you can just draw that on because I'm obviously keen to live and I've got a wife and five children and a cat now to support. <laughs> so, I'm, not, I'm not a complete like monk, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm really happy to, to spread the message and give you guys as much value as I possibly can so much for your generosity and your wisdom today pleasure so pleasure we have our final three I have some quick fun questions to ask you are you ready for your rapid fire sure i'm up for it you inspired this first question but if you could be god for one day what would you do if i could be god for one day wow i would um i would uh it's easy i would just um enforce the global edict that every conversation is a collaborative one, then I think the rest of the problems would start solving themselves. Love it. What is the closest thing to real magic? The closest thing to real magic uh, for me, well, I think there's two things. I have two. Mm-hmm. I, I, think, I, think, I think one of them is, um, is children being born. I've had the good fortune to see five being born, and I think that's amazing. Uh, I think that's number one, uh, and particularly your own children being born. Uh, number, number two is is the sunrise, the dawn. I love swimming at dawn, and, and I, I think the, I think if you're wondering if there's magic in the universe, just watch the sunrise, and that is that's a great magic act. Absolutely. Watch that happening, particularly over the ocean. It's really quite cool. If any of your listeners come to Manly, tell them to look me up, and I'll take them for a swim at dawn. I'll take you up on that. Special offer. Special offer. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna make that a priority when I'm when I get my passport and everything, because it would be awesome to meet you. If you could know the absolute truth to one question, what would you ask? Uh, that would be the question I was thinking about earlier, which was um, how can I be more happy and useful to the universe? Not happy in myself and useful to others. That would be my ultimate question. So beautiful. I love it. But Peter, thank you so much. Is, Absolute is, pleasure. Is there any uh, words of advice that you would like to leave our audience? I would um, give your audience, your listeners, two pieces of advice. Uh, one, one would be to um, 
to have the courage to be the best version of yourself you can possibly be. And the second piece would be with that courage, just go forth and collaborate. Yes, I love it. To support Peter and his mission, to support people with collaborative communication, get your copy of Collaboradabra on Amazon. You can follow Peter on LinkedIn and check out his website. His YouTube channel will also be in the description below. Thank you so much for being a part of the Organic Matrix and we'll be seeing you on the next download.